So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Galatians 5. You, you read it in your small group time. We're just going to kind of start there and um, then chase a couple rabbits um, from there. Tonight we're talking about um, our emotions. We're talking about the way that our emotions can many times kind of rule over our life and many times change us and guide us. And sometimes we begin to act without even, even thinking at different times. So we're going to use kind of a, um, a movie as a parable slash illustration for us kind of as we go. So we're going to, we're going to meet the characters from the movie Inside Out. How many of you have seen Inside Out before? Okay. Awesome. So we're going to kind of meet the characters a little bit, and then we'll kind of discuss each one um, just a little bit throughout the weekend and kind of get you, um, just to help you understand a little bit about um, that. So, Louis, can you hit that first video for us? Yeah. So we have these different emotions that many times um, rule over your life. I don't know what emotion is primary to you. And you could say, well, I have another emotion and things of that nature. But my primary emotion, the one that I think probably runs my control panel in my mind is anger. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about anger. And then our goal in talking about our emotions this weekend is taking a negative thing like anger and being able to, to transform it into Love. My natural reaction is to get frustrated or to get angry at a situation. If things aren't going the way I want them to go or things aren't going exactly the way they were planned to go, my natural tendency is anger. Now, most of the time, you guys don't have to see that part of me. A few of you have seen Angry Coach before, right? And it was frightening to you. Um, but many times, I, that doesn't show up. But many of you, in thinking about your life, you perhaps have a primary Emotion. So in this movie, Inside Out, her primary emotion is what? Joy. So joy is primarily the one that's kind of running the control panel. So let's look at this opening scene of the movie to kind of see what it might be like for these emotions to kind of mesh together a little bit. All right. Louis, hit video number two. Sorry, I love the airplane part. How many of your parents did the airplane thing to you? Do you remember the airplane thing? Or you've seen your parents do the airplane thing to someone else, right? And so we have these um, kind of primary emotions that um, many times rule our life. And so tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about how we take our anger and go to um, love. So I'm going to start in Galatians chapter 5. This is kind of our, our focal set of verses for um, the weekend, okay? Um, and so we're going to start um, in verse 16 and kind of go from there. Um, towards the end of the chapter, all right? Um, verse 1 in chapter 5 says it's for freedom that we have been set free. We're, one of our goals in life is to have freedom in our Lord Jesus Christ. But the question is, why do we want that freedom? We want that freedom to bring glory, right? Your glory goes on and on. We were singing that song earlier, right? And we want that to be evident in our life. But many things begin to get in the way. And it says, but I say in verse 16, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so we have these two things at war inside of us. We have the Spirit of God at war with the flesh inside of us. We were reading a book over the Christmas break called Outlaw, and it calls the flesh this costume um, that covers us. So we have this battle going on inside of us. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident. And he gives us a list of things that are on the side of the flesh and on the side of the evil that is around us all the time. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so if you in your life are categorized by things from this list, it's saying that you are giving in more often to the flesh than being led by the spirit. Now, of course, for me, the most convicting one in this list would be fits of anger because it's a struggle. Now, back in when I was in high school and things of that nature, I didn't call it anger. I called it competitiveness. It wasn't that I was getting angry. I just hated to lose. Now, I hated to lose at anything, whether it was like, sorry, in a board game, like, oh, how did they draw that card and knock me out? Like, it's just a random chance card game, right? But anger and frustration is so much so that when I was a kid, my parents stopped playing games with me. No one would play chess with me because I had no mercy. I would just crush them and and just win. And they would be like, this isn't fun. You won in like 12 moves. I'm done. No more. Let's play checkers. No, you always win. And so I always, and I just had no idea of what mercy or anything like that was like. Now, something changed though when I met this one girl named Tara Paulvote, right? This cute thing that was playing basketball on this team. And I met her Um, just to let you know that she is the reigning chess champion, at our household, we played one time while we were dating, and for some reason, I had more compassion and mercy in that game. Anybody know why? Because I was staring at her instead of the board, right? I wasn't paying, I wasn't focused, I was, I was kind of, you know, being nice, and guess what? She's never played me again in chess. Never. Because now it's like, maybe I won't be so nice next time I play, that competitive would come back up. Because something in us changes when we have love. Love makes a difference. You see what it says here? But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And many of you know the fruit of the Spirit because you used to sing the song and, you know, it's not a cherry, not coconut. You sing all these songs about it. But many times we don't realize that these are things that the Spirit has given to us. They are the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Not fruits, plural, but one continuous thing. That we should have love. That we should have joy. We should have peace. We should have patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Against such things you will not be found guilty. In other words, if you love, you will not be found guilty. Now the question is, how do you love? Do you love in the same way that the world loves, or do you love in the way that God has called us to love through his word? And so we look through this, and it says, and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Now, that's the question that we're going to have for this weekend. Have we crucified the flesh? How do we take these negative emotions and make them be obedient to Christ, taking every thought captive. 
Now, for me, anger took many different forms, right? Um, competitive is one of them. One of them was control. Um, I wanted to control many different situations. I don't know if many of you out there struggle with the same idea of wanting to control the things that are going on. And I know that as a parent, I made many mistakes early on in my life because of anger and frustration and many things that, that I regret. And I pray that my kids will forget <laughs> been those things. But my primary emotion many times began to rule my life until I began to give more and more and more of my life to Jesus Christ. Now, do you remember some of the words of the songs that we just sang a little earlier? We talked about, you are my one desire. You are my everything. And we sing them and we sing them loud and we cry them out because we want that to be true of our life. And yet many times... Our own desires and our own flesh get in the way. I want you to watch another scene um, from this movie. And this is kind of a, um, a funny scene to me because it's probably um, too true to some of us. Um, this is the fight of the dinner. So if you don't know what happened, the core memories um, have kind of gone away. And so joy and sadness are often long-term memory. And now there's only fear, disgust, and anger ruling the control panel. Um, and so I want you to kind of watch the scene and see what happens. All right. Um, has that ever been your dinner table? Right. The the mom, she's probing a sir, and then the dad's off in some other land and some other place, and and snaps back together. Um, that scene is so funny. It's because so many interactions are going on with, with there's high levels of sass going on um, in these different situations. And um, man, many times we have to face these things in our life. And we see a, re- a reaction here of two things, two minds fixed upon anger clashing together. And all of a sudden reason and, and, and understanding begin to go out the window and then the foot is down at that point. How do we, as believers in Jesus Christ, avoid situations like this? How do we find inside of us a new sense of love? So I want you to go to Revelation um, chapter 2. This is a passage that the Lord took me to um, early this year in Revelation. And um, as we were going on the plains and flying across the world to see the Georges and the Evels, um, the Lord really just led me here in my own personal walk, my own personal life. Um, in chapter one, Jesus Christ is walking among these lampstands, and these lampstands are representing different churches. And on, on the lampstands are these stars, and these stars are talking about the light. In other words, the influence that these churches have over the area that they go to. So, for example, you have a light. As you go to school, if you don't put your light under a bushel or under a bucket, you begin to share that light with other people, and they begin to see that as you go. Um, and so he's speaking to this church in Ephesus, and he says this, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven lampstands. This is Jesus Christ. He says he is speaking to them, and he's giving them a command. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring, enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and that you have not grown weary. And so he's commending them because they're doing good works. They're noticing these false heresies and these false things. And, and it gives us an example if you go down just a little bit further. Um, in verse 9, it says, Yet this you have. 
you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And so he brings up this topic of the Nicolaitans, and the Nicolaitans were um, people that followed many. There's a lot of skepticism about what exactly the Nicolaitans were. And we know that Nicholas was one of the uh, first deacons, um, servants that were put in place with Stephen. You might remember Stephen from Acts chapter 6. And he got stoned because of his faith. Nicholas was someone who was in that list, but he began to live two separate lives. He began to teach that you could live one life in public, and you can live one life in the church, and those didn't have to go hand in hand. That when you're in church, you did church things. When you're in, in life, you could do whatever you wanted to do in life. For them, they could eat food sacrificed to idols, which was a, was a no-no from the Lord. They could drink wine and debauchery and, and get drunk and do whatever they wanted to here. But when they came to church, they changed who they were. And he's saying, you guys have done well. You hate these things. And he brings up this word, hate. And one of the things that you're going to study in your small group time after this and after our game time is, what does it mean to have a righteous anger versus just an anger? In other words, when I had struggles with anger, it was because my anger was poured out on a person instead of on a circumstance that needed to be changed in order to bring that other person into a right relationship with Christ. And so he's saying, you're doing well. You're doing these good works. You're noticing, noticing these people following false doctrines and things like this. But he says, but this I have against you, in verse 4, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. That you have abandoned the first love that you had for Jesus Christ. I want you to imagine back to how it was when you first were following Jesus. When you had that excitement about him, that thankfulness, that anticipation of getting together and, and singing songs and worshiping him, that passion for him. For me, um, I was a sophomore in high school when I accepted Jesus Christ. I was at a, a, a camp, Highland Lakes Baptist Encampment, went to a retreat right before Easter. My best friend, uh, David Payton, invited me to go. And um, I remember that I, I was really there to impress the girls. That's really the reason that I went. Um, I really was, you know, we were playing basketball and I was doing my competitive thing and just showing off and trying to get everybody to kind of notice me and, and things of that nature. And then we went in that night to listen to a sermon and he was preaching on Ephesians six ten through 18, where it talks about be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and talks about we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against the authorities and, and all these things. And then he began to talk about the armor of God. And being a football guy, I was like, oh, armor is like the breastplates, like the shoulder pads and, and all these different things, the helmet of salvation. And so I, I'm just kind of suiting up in my mind. And, and the Lord just opened my heart to understand that with the Lord, he was going to be my strength. He was going to be my protection. And I had spent most of my life trying to win. And that can be exhausting. And I finally just gave my heart over to him. I had watched my friend David Payton, who as a, as a freshman had been diagnosed with cancer and gone through chemo and all these different things to become well, but it had cost him a lot of different things in his life. And I said, if he can surrender, I can surrender. And my life changed. And I remember that night after we get out of um, the meeting, I had no idea if girls are watching me. I had no desire to impress anyone. My desire was to tell everyone about this change that had happened in me. 
There was just this joy and this excitement. I remember going home and and just devouring the Bible, reading things, reading Bible studies, experiencing God, um, Bible studies, anything that I could get a hold of. I just, that was my goal was to do that. But then as we go on, the cares of life and the busyness of things begin to, to rob us and take away some of that love. And what Jesus is encouraging this church to do, and I think encouraging me in my own life, is to remember that first love that passion. We weren't as scared about making mistakes because we knew we had grace. And we were just excited to tell the world about Christ. And you see, what he says here is that you, for, if you have abandoned your first love, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. So he's saying, when you look and you take inventory of your life, if that dinner table is your normal conversation with people, If your normal conversation is not surrounded around joy and the things of Christ, take inventory of your life. What areas do you need to repent in? I mean, we were out eating some dinner last night with some friends, and I remember thinking, man, we've talked a lot about football. We've talked a lot about the national championship game, which I didn't get to watch because I was in in an airport, right? And I was like, oh, disappointed in that. We're thinking about all these different things. It's like, well, we need to turn this into something spiritual and uplifting and someone we can talk about what God is doing in our world today. Do you steer conversations towards those different things? If you were to take inventory on your life, where is your love for Christ at? You know, I think back to uh, Luke 15. Y'all have heard the story before of the prodigal son, right? And about the son that asked for an inheritance and he went off to a land and, and he blew all of it. And he's in the pigsty, and he's just saying, even my, my father's servants have more to eat than I do. And he goes back to his father, right? And his father sees him, and what does his father do? Those of you that know the story. He runs out to him, right? He, he takes his tunic, he, he ties it up, and he runs to him. Does he run to him and punch him in the face? What does he do? He runs to him, and he embraces him, Right? Because his son has returned. Was that what the son expected? No, he he had blown all of this wealth that he had gotten from his father. He had blown his inheritance, and yet his father restores him as a son. Here's what I want to invite you to do tonight. We're going to have a couple songs just um, to sing here at the end. Um, What in your life do you need to repent of? What in your life do you need to um, put at the altar and leave before him? Maybe as you think about your mind, uh, maybe you're thinking, who, who is driving my mind? Have you ever thought about that? What emotion, what things are battling in your mind for control of your life? Maybe you need to take that and, and rearrange that control. So here's what I want you to do. I want you just to bow your heads where you're at. And just in your own heart, your own mind, don't need to speak out loud. All right? I want you to just um, think about what is, what is in the control of your life right now. Maybe it's um, a sport that you're involved in. Uh, maybe it's um, entertainment. Maybe it's school. Maybe school is the primary dominating thing um, in your life right now. Where, where does Jesus rank in those things? I just want to invite you in your heart just to pray to the Lord and ask him to help you um, to rearrange those things, to have him in the proper place in your life.
Lord Jesus, we just come before you, thankful for who you are. We just ask, Lord, that you will help us to search our hearts tonight and, and to see, Lord, what we need to lay before you. Lord, I thank you that um, we don't have to stay the same, Lord. We don't have to become slaves to anger. And, Lord, we can transfer that through becoming a new creation in you into love. Help us tonight, Lord, to return to our first love, to return to you. So, Lord, as we sing these songs, may we pour out our heart to you. May you change our lives. May you encourage us to be more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to have a time just to, you can sing if you'd like to sing. You can come down front if you'd like to come down front. But just a time for you to be with the Lord um, as we worship him.